0: The following podcast was produced by Latter-day
1: Radio. Welcome back to Latter-day Radio here on 1430 KLO World Class Talk. We're broadcasting from the intersection of faith and freedom. We have a new subject and a new guest today. We should get right into it. So Martin is here and we have an author, Michelle Schmidt, whose new book is called... Carried. Carried. And... We're going to have to explore that title a little bit as time goes on. Hopefully that will pique your interest. Uh, In life, of course, we have highs and lows. Uh, We pray for and anticipate the highs. We never pray for tests or challenges or trials. No sane person would do that. But sometimes we we have the high highs and the low lows, and we're going to talk about those uh, in just a moment uh, you might know uh, michelle 's husband better than you know her if you 're a big fan like I am of the piano guys, then you know who her husband is michelle why don 't you introduce yourself and 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 tell us how you uh, uh, came to be the Wife of a famous musician.
2: (laughs) Well, when I married him, he was not a famous musician. Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) Like the story I told you, uh, Stephen Sharp Nelson, uh, I I have met him. He's the cellist. Your husband is the piano player, the one that we see. There's other guys in the background that we don't see. Mm -hmm. But uh, I went to a thing last year at Stephen Sharp Nelson's house, and he told this story. And you can tell me if this is... uh, accurate or not. He says, do you know the difference between a pizza and a musician? (laughs) I do. (laughs) A pizza can feed a family of four.
2: Absolutely. That's right. So
1: tell us how you got from there, feeding a family of four with a pizza, and to where you are today. Tell us a little bit about the piano guy's story, because you were there suffering with him and Mm -hmm. and the highs and everything. Uh, How did you... Tell us how they came to be
2: okay, well, um, when I first when John and I decided to get married, we um, had both just graduated, and he he had considering going into business and we weren't sure what he was going to do he'd made a tape and his very and then from there a very first CD, which was kind of a new thing because at that point independent artists didn't really do that. And we just decided that through after prayer that we would try music for about a year and see where that led us. And um, Living
1: on pizza along the way.
2: Living on pizza, that's right, and Top Ramen. And um, after the year, we just kept analyzing it and praying to know what to do, and we just kept feeling like we should go forward. And there were moments definitely where we were ready to quit and we would receive really strong promptings, keep going, keep going. So um, we did that for 20 years, and he put out seven albums and seven books of sheet music, and, and John had his own career um, performing. And then um, along that way, he uh, began performing with Stephen. He would have Stephen perform on um, a as the cellist on some of his shows and then steve was just so talented and amazing and and so funny john gave him a mic and as soon as john gave him a a vocal mic oh my gosh the the show just became this comedy act and and then from there um steve brought in al and and paul and the next thing we knew we were making videos and that's how the piano guys came together
1: I heard it was because of a piano store that the music video started with the piano stores. Is that right? Is that just one of those uh, uh, Mormon legends?
2: There was a piano store in St. George called The Piano Guys, and Paul Anderson was the owner of that store, and he asked John to come make some videos to promote his piano store, and then the videos took off, and then they decided, well, let's make some more videos, and before they knew it, they made a YouTube channel, and then it was called The Piano Guys.
1: And I have a little personal uh, anecdote. I'll make this very brief. I promise to do that. That video, the YouTube video, showed up one day on a young German girl's uh, computer screen. She'd never seen it before. Her name was Sylvia Nassauer. She lived in a little place called Münchenroth up uh, in the Taunus Mountains between Wiesbaden and Koblenz. And she clicked on it. And then she clicked on it again, and she went to the YouTube channel. Before long, she had seen how great Thou art. She she told me that she had a spiritual breakdown and wept, and then corresponded with Stephen, who, as I understand it, and as he explained to me later, he prays every day to see who of the many emails. Uh, are sent to him, uh, which one of those he will answer. He answered Sylvia's. Mm-hmm. They had a conversation over a long period of time until finally he said, you know, I can't answer your questions anymore. May I send the missionaries? Mm-hmm. I was l- lucky enough to be the senior missionary that drove the sisters over there. And in um, February 2017, 2016, I baptized her. That's and then the following year, she came to the Okra Mountain Temple where, right by where we live, and Stephen was there in the endowment session. He mm-hmm. came to our house for barbecue, and then last year, uh, the Piano Guys entertained her in Dusseldorf where they were on tour mm-hmm. and dedicated a song to her. So I know from personal experience that the Piano Guys are real <laughs> and that they do great work in spreading the gospel and the message of Christ. That's awesome. But things don't always turn out like we planned, do they, Michelle?
2: No, they don't. No, life doesn't always go smoothly. That's for sure.
1: And for all those years, you're praying that you'd be successful, that uh, you'd be able to take care of your family and mm-hmm. not just living off of a pizza. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, that prayer was answered.
2: It was. It was definitely answered. And and as we um, and as my book talks about the the loss of our daughter who went hiking in Oregon and and was um, lost, she had fallen tragically to her death, but we didn't know where she was. And as we spent a month looking for her, um, we learned that we needed to rely on God to even a greater degree. And we learned that He will help us, and He will guide us, and He will carry us through some of those really hard things that we go through in life.
0: When did this happen? Tell our listeners who, okay. who who probably don't know your story. Wh- when did all this happen? Because this isn't decades ago. No. This is pretty raw and recent.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was two years ago. It was October 2016 that um, she went missing. Yes.
0: And where, why did she go to Oregon? Let's let's kind of start out with some of the background stuff okay. because she she she's. Off in Oregon.
2: Mm-hmm. She was up there working, and then she was um, going to go to school. She wanted to be a um, musical engineer. So she was registered to begin in January um, school for, to learn that, um, that trade. And while she was up there, she just loved to hike. She just loved the outdoors, and she was an avid hiker. So and she and she went by herself often. She went with friends and alone all, often. So that was not unusual for her to be up hiking in the mountains. And she was um, along the uh, Columbia River Gorge up there.
0: And she was how old? Twenty-one. And from there, um, she was living by herself with friends.
2: She was working for a company, and so she had a roommate that was also working for the company. They they had. Them up in apartments,
0: okay. And so that our listeners can can understand a little bit more about what happened, um, uh, we've just got a little bit of time here right before our break. But how how was it that she decided to hike alone? Is this a Saturday, just an evening right after work? Give us a few details so so we can um, as as best understand what was going on. We, yes.
2: Well, she probably hiked almost every day, to be honest, and I, and she had gone up on a Sunday morning, and um, so yeah, it was it was actually raining, and and she had put a. Which it
0: often does in Oregon. Yes.
2: <laughs> And she had put um, like a garbage sack over her for a raincoat and um, because we were actually able to retrieve her phone, we were able to see her snaps as she um, went up the mountain. and of course she went right off trail and went right up through the right up through the brush and right up to the base of the cliffs. So yeah, and then I'm sure she was trying to get higher on those cliffs to get a really great shot.
0: No doubt, and um, bad combination on your own, wet. Mm-hmm. Um, what a what a tragic outcome! And so, later that Sunday, you expected probably to hear back from her, and then didn't.
2: Actually, no. I had talked to her on Saturday, and I had planned to go up and go hiking or camping with her. We planned a camping trip. And um, she'd bought a bunch of equipment for it, and we were really excited to get together on Wednesday. So I talked to her on Saturday and said, "I'll see you on Wednesday." And so I didn't think anything of it when I didn't hear from her for a couple of days before I flew in on Wednesday.
0: And you still didn't
1: think anything of it. You you Mm-mm. still just okay?
2: Yeah, I didn't have any reason to suspect anything.
1: In case you just joined us, this is Latter-day Radio here on 1430 KLO World Class Talk. We're talking to Michelle Schmidt about her new book, Carried.
0: It's a Deseret Book publication, and as they say, available where all finer books are available, which would be Deseret Book, (laughs) and I'm sure Amazon.com and a a
1: bunch of other places as as well. Um, Is Carried the full title? What is the... Complete is, is that the full title? Carried.
2: There's a subtitle. Yeah. Um, let's see if I can remember it. Um, carried, how one mother. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I can't remember the subtitle.
0: You know what? Hold that thought, <laughs> and we'll come back with the subtitle after our little break. will give
1: here. you a reason to come back after the break so you <laughs> can find out where you can that, buy it. That's, that's right. What a tragic thing to go through, um, uh, the
0: loss of a daughter. When we come back from our break, we're, we're going to hear more uh, about michelle schmidt's story about losing her 21 year old daughter and how something good can eventually come from something so tragic because um even the worst things in life sometimes have some kind of a silver lining to to the darkest cloud that's the great part of this story Mm -hmm. it's a delight to have you here michelle it's takes a lot of courage to tell a story like this um
1: well, it encourages others to know that there's always light at the end of the tunnel, and that is the whole, whole, whole message of the gospel. It all ends with a happy ending.
2: Absolutely. Our,
0: in-stu- our in-studio guest, Michelle Smith, the author of Carried, will be right back. This is Latter-day Radio. More faith-affirming podcast content from Latter-day Radio coming your way. Stick around.
1: We're back here on Latter-day Radio on 1430 KLO, World Class Talk. Our guest today is Michelle Schmidt. She is an author, and we're going to tell you the whole title of the book, which is...
2: It is How One Mother's Trust in God Helped Her Through the Unthinkable, Carried.
1: Carried. I think we're all carried from time to time. So, uh, Martin... uh, you and and uh, Michelle can continue this conversation about, and we're, what we're talking about, obviously, is Christ's atonement.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: So for somebody who's just joined us, uh, in 2016, our guest, Michelle Schmidt's daughter, uh, tragically died when she apparently slipped and fell off from a cliff in Oregon. And when we had um, taken our break, you were going up there. She had been um, gone for a couple of days, but you didn't think anything of it at that point. Yeah. So, sort of continue on with your story. Tell us how things progressed from there. Okay.
2: Yeah, we had planned to go out, um, camping together on Wednesday, and I had spoken with her on Saturday and didn't talk with her for the next you know a few days didn't think anything of it and then um the day before i was to fly in i sent her a couple texts saying this is what time my plane's getting in pick me up didn't hear back from her but again didn't think very much of it and then as i flew into oregon and landed and then texted her again and still wasn't hearing back from her i, I began to think that's weird but um, I thought, well, I'll just rent a car and drive to her place. And so I did that. And um, as I got to her apartment and um, her roommate answered, her roommate was really surprised because she said, I thought she was already gone with you. She's, she's been gone since Sunday. And at that point, we were, we were pretty alarmed because we thought, this is not like her. This is unusual
0: and that was the moment you you talked to the roommate and uh-oh she should have been here and she's not yeah and you said it took i'm sure there were searches uh, efforts made to try to find out where she was it took about a month or so before you mm-hmm. found out that she had fallen
2: yeah it took about a um, almost a month um there was a, an official search and rescue that occurred um with a team that was just amazing, and and they were very professional and very... Um, it's something they did all the time, a search for people in the gorge, unfortunately, and there were several people that... There are several that have never been located, but... Um,
0: and are they the ones who found her, the search and rescue group, or no, did someone else find her?
2: No, no. They, they search for about three days, and then they are done, because I'm sure it's a very expensive... Um, outfit to do that. But um, yeah, we we just sent out a, a a a cry for help on social media and to all our friends saying, we we haven't found our daughter and we don't know what to do. We we need to keep searching. We need help. And there was a man named John Harding that came up from our um, stake in Bountiful. He had been in the stake presidency there and Recently returned as a mission president, and he um, was up there searching, and he just took it upon himself to continue the search. He took the lead of it, and he was an absolute godsend to us because it's such an, an overwhelming experience to go through something like this. You just you feel like you're walking in a dream, you know? It feels so surreal, and you're just trying to function from minute to minute, and it just. It's so hard to like be in charge of something. You feel like you're in a fog. So it was such a blessing for us to have someone take over and say, okay, I'm going to keep going and, and helping and organizing this whole effort. And the church up there in Oregon was amazing. They There was the official search and rescue, and then to the side of it were all these tents set up that were set up by the church, people that had just um, come and they had set up stations um, where food was just constantly being brought in to feed the people that were searching, and it was just replenished throughout the day, day after day, and then there was a tent where they had their own maps. There, One of the members was a general in um, the U.S. Army, and he, had, he was organizing the people into search groups with GPS coordinates, and... And they weren't doing it apart from the official search. They worked together with the official search also. But the search effort put on by just kind people was absolutely amazing.
0: If you're just joining us, Michelle Schmidt's in studio with us on Latter Day Radio on World Class Talk 1430 KLO. She's talking about her brand new book called Carried, subtitle How One Mother's Trust in God Helped Her Through the unthinkable. The unthinkable is that her daughter had fallen in a hiking accident and, and was killed. And Michelle is in the midst of telling us her story about the ongoing search after the official's search had, had ended.
2: You know, when you say the unthinkable, I think the worst part of that is not knowing where she is. I mean, knowing that she has fallen and and has already passed is more comforting than not knowing where she is so there was an experience that happened that was a tender mercy from the lord that carried me through this experience more than anything and it was um the first day of the search as i drove up the um the canyon to the spot where the search was going to begin my husband and son had gone up earlier i was all alone as i drove and um The first time I'd ever been there, and as I looked around at the beauty of this place, I was overcome. It had rained all the day before, but this morning it was clear and crisp, and the colors were just bright blue and green. And as I took and these waterfalls and these intermittent clouds, I just I was overcome with the beauty, and I just exclaimed, "Oh, Annie!" I can see why you loved this place so much. And she said to me, I know, Mom. Isn't it beautiful? And I just sat there in my car as I drove, thinking she, she just talked to me. <laughs> it was Annie. And she was excited, and she was happy, and she was at peace. And I realized she's in the spirit world. And that brought me so much peace and comfort as we headed into the next several weeks of searching for her because I wasn't worried about her. I knew we were looking for her body. And, and as I had interviews on TV and, and stuff as the, as the, through the search, I, I was so raw and unrehearsed. I would just say, I believe she's passed away. I believe she's in the spirit world and we're looking for her body. And people would say, how can a mother say that? How could she, why would she give up on her daughter so quickly? And it was because I knew, I knew where she was. And it wasn't to, it didn't, it didn't take away all worry. It didn't take away the pit in my stomach when someone would call in and say, oh, we saw her on highway I-15 heading towards California. I mean, it didn't take everything away, but overall it gave me such a sense of peace—that she's okay. She's not suffering. She's not suffering. And to me, that was the unthinkable. That was the hardest part. So that was one way that I was carried.
0: When did you actually find her, or how was she actually found? Um, let's let's start at this point with with that question because people people yeah. want to know.
2: Yeah. So um, there were people that kept looking and that never stopped looking. They kept going back again and again, um, searching those mountains along the paths where, she, where her car had been found. Her car had been found there, abandoned. And um, one of those people was a woman named Lydia McGranahan, and she was an Oregon native there. And um she just kept going back and looking and excuse me the um the the miracles that brought her into the story I also explain a little bit in this in the book but she was she was just on her computer and the tv was on in the background and she was writing her personal history and listening to the piano guy's music as she was writing and she heard something on the tv and And she felt compelled to go look at the TV. Go look at what they're talking about. And so she got up and walked over, and it was the story about Annie. And then they mentioned it was the piano guy's daughter that was lost. And at that point, she felt compelled to help in the search because she was an avid hiker. And Lydia was someone that went back again and again day after day and searched those mountains for Annie. And um, so... It was through weeks of trying to figure out what to do and working with John Harding, and we had determined that it would be best to do another dog team search. And there was another woman named Annie Castiel that was also miraculously brought into the search who helped put together those teams. And those dog teams went back up there November 10th of 2016, And she had put together about eight dog teams. And um, Lydia was with one of the dog teams that went up on that November 10th to try and find Annie's body. And um, that morning, it was a nice, good, crisp, clear morning, which is good for searching. And there was a dog that caught a scent at um, somewhere along Munra, the Munra Mountain. And... um, but they couldn't locate it that day. And so they went up again the next day, early morning, and there was another dog. Lydia took them right back to that same place, another dog that caught the same scent. And the dog took off, and Lydia scrambled to keep up after the dog, and the dog was able to go right up into the base of some cliffs where she was able to locate the remains.
0: So the dog and and Lydia and those who were with her are mm-hmm. actually the ones that found your daughter. Mm-hmm. and Uh, one as you as you say in your subtitle um, the unthinkable this is something that that would be a parent's worst nightmare to lose a child Mm -hmm. and yet out of that we've talked about the 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 silver lining to this horrible tragedy and and you've written a book and and so in our last uh, minute or so here before our break let's sort of set the stage for why you wanted to write this book. And then we come back, we're going to talk in detail about the message of the book and and why other people uh, will want to read it Mm -hmm. and and the message that it will have for them.
2: Well, um, the book is actually half about the story of Annie and the other half, I go back and forth every other chapter and I share stories, personal experiences from my life, where I had grown in my faith and learned to trust God. And it was through learning and progressing in that ability to trust Him that helped us through this unthinkable experience. And the book is actually—it's a very hopeful book, and it's not all sad. It's about how we can trust God and the power of His atonement, of Jesus Christ's atonement to carry us— to get us through anything that we go through.
0: We're speaking with Michelle Schmidt about her new book, Carried, the subtitle of which is How One Mother's Trust in God Helped Her Through the Unthinkable. She lost her 21-year-old daughter who uh, perished in a fall in a hiking accident. And yet, despite that tragedy, what she went through has transformed her to the point where she decided she wanted to write this book and part part of it it is about this tragedy but the rest and what we're going to focus in on now is about the meaning of the atonement and what the title carried means what the title carried means Mm -hmm. so tell us about that
2: well um I think that um, in life, we, we have, all of us have tragedies and trials and struggles. And as we learn the skill, I believe it is a skill, of trusting in God, turning to Him in our sorrows, we will feel the power of His ability to comfort us to strengthen us and to give us the ability to um, grow in our faith and to go forward. It's
0: a great um, message for those who have gone through tragedies. I, I remember once talking to my mother about a friend who'd just gone through some horrible tragedies, and I asked her why that would happen. She said, well, there are two kinds of people in the world. People who have horrible tragedies, and then the ones you don't know so well yet. <laughs> Meaning, everybody has them. Um, mm-hmm. So, this book should be of a great help to everyone. More faith-affirming podcast content on its way. We're back. This is Latter-day Radio. In studio, Michelle Schmidt the author of Carried, subtitled How One Mother's Trust in God Helped Her Through the Unthinkable. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. With us today, Greg Gerard, Gerard as well, and of of course, our guest. It takes, Michelle, a lot of courage to go through an ordeal like this. On the other hand, uh, when it happens... There's not exactly an alternative. I mean, you yeah. are stuck in a horrible situation, mm-hmm. and you get in a car accident, you can fix the car. If you you know, have your house burned down, you can build a new house, you lose a daughter, you can't bring them back. Death yeah. is a pretty... Um, a pretty final thing.
2: It sure is. <laughs>
0: How did you cope with that? That, when you get right down to it, is is sort of the, the crux of of your book. Mm-hmm. Because even if you have the atonement or the assurance from, from that voice that you heard of your daughter that she's in a wonderful place, you still miss her, mm-hmm. and it still takes faith because... Nobody sends a videotape or a DVD of what she's doing in the next life. It's it's a matter of faith.
2: You're right. Talk for about sure. your
0: book and, and that message that's universally applicable.
2: Yeah. Well, I think that um, really the thing that helped me the most is I had spent time in the scriptures, and I want to say specifically the book of Mormon, that helped me. To feel grounded and to be able to stand on a sure foundation of my faith in Jesus Christ and in His atonement and in the resurrection, and um, that was something that I when when you're stripped of everything else, when you when your life is turned upside down and you everything that used to feel normal is no longer normal, you look at what you do have. And that faith in Christ was such an anchor to me that I I would look at, well, what do I have? I have the resurrection, I know that. I have my covenants with my Heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ, and those are binding and those are eternal, and nothing is going to take that away from me. So that is everything. I have those in place. And it will bind Annie to me, and it will bind me to her, and it will bind my family together, and it will bind us to Christ. And and so that, to me, was the greatest comfort. That was something I had to hang on to when everything else felt like it was being taken away.
0: You know, when you have a crisis, those are the things that carry you through, the, the, the superficial things, the... Uh, you're going to get a new car. What about that new shirt? Somebody going to get a coat. Presents for this, items for that. Grocery shopping, uh, projects at, ha- at at home. All those things, you know, work, even work issues. That just all goes away. Mm-hmm. It's just you get down to, to the bedrock of things that that are meaningful, and, and mm-hmm. you've just you've just mentioned those. Tell our listeners how those things. Carried you through, why you wrote your book, and what you want somebody to understand from it.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, it is really unusual that I did this because I'm a, I'm a very private person and I don't I don't post things on social media. It's just not my style. Um, but I, I I co-authored this book with my sister Angie Taylor, and she is a writer. And she really had a desire to write this story um, about the loss of Annie. And she grappled with it. and then finally she just came to me and she said, "This isn't my story. This is your story." And I'm like, "You're right." So um we went together and met with the the folks at Desert Book, and they were interested in publishing it. And so we had the go ahead to write it, but I just didn't I just wasn't feeling it. And it took almost a year. And then, um, and then I just started being woken up at like 4 or 5 in the morning with just a flood of thoughts. And I just got up and I wrote as fast as my fingers could go, as fast as I could type. And I put together chapter after chapter, and it was going to go back and forth between the story of Annie and past experiences in my life that had taught me to trust God. And I believe it's a progression of learning to trust Him. He gives us things to go through. Or because we live in a fallen world, we get things that are hard to go through. But as we learn to trust Him, to turn to Him, and to submit to Him, then we um, will feel the strength and His power to get through those things.
0: Hearing your description, would you say you were inspired or prompted to write this the way you did?
2: Um, it felt it felt like inspiration because it was just a flood. In fact, there would be times I'd go back and I'd think, I don't even know what's in that chapter because I was just writing so quickly. But um, And I and I used a lot for my journals. And you're a first-time
0: author. This is not like your yeah, for sure. 47th book. This right,
2: is- right. Yeah, it was nothing I'd ever planned on doing. <laughs> But it was it was very healing for me to take this huge experience and to just put it down on paper, or you know, right in front of me to try and get a, my hands around it. So that was very healing, and and I worked through a lot of emotions and things as I as I wrote. And um,
0: so, what do you hope people get from this book? If if you were to just say, you know, the crux of what. I want somebody who's going through or has been through some difficult thing, um, what do you want them to know?
2: Well, I would hope that um, every person would come to know that Heavenly Father knows them, is aware of them individually and what their struggles are, and that He's there. He's there to help them. Um, We're not alone. And that um, that, as we submit to him, we will feel joy, even amidst our trials. You know, I was doing a, an interview with somebody on the book and 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 the guy, I think he really wanted to get something juicy or something a little more um, dramatic out, I and mean, he was trying to get out of me. So how did you feel, and how did you feel towards God? And I think he wanted me to say I was angry. They I'm want you to so, say you're angry. <laughs> I'm so, I was so angry I, at God, you I, know?
0: I've never understood that. But well, and people, I, I guess it's they, want, they want the sensationalistic well, approach or something. There. And
2: I, I understand some people do get angry. They get angry and cuz they're so hurt and they're so, you know, they they're aching so badly. Mm-hmm. But I just thought it, it's not heavenly father's fault she went hiking. It's not his fault she fell. It's not his fault that this happened. Why would I get angry at him and why would I distance myself from him when I'm going th- through something so hard.
0: I need him. That is that is a great insight because somehow the tendency is if something wonderful happens, you want to be thankful and attribute it to God. Yeah. And for some people, when something really horrible happens, they want to also throw it in God's lap because- It's his fault. It's got to be his fault. <laughs> right. and, and the truth is there is free agency. And mm-hmm. Uh, I, I remember years ago tr- tr- struggling with the idea of of um, free agency, free will, and yet there's a plan because, you know, in the church, we kind of believe in both. And I talked to this guy who'd had kind of an amazing near-death experience, and, and I said, God, I can't put all this together. He said, well haven't you ever had a day planner? <laughs> oh, okay. You know, just just because things are planned out doesn't mean there is no choice. Right. And, and I've come to believe that um, even the tragedies in life are sometimes part of a, a life's plan, even though they're incredibly difficult and even though free agency is involved.
2: Absolutely. And... um heavenly father has the power and I believe he can turn everything to our good like I, I could go down the road well he could have he could have enabled her to survive the fall he could have inspired me to call her that Sunday morning he could have you know of course of course he could have but um I, I believe that he allows us to use our agency and as we trust him he will turn all things to our good.
0: Wonderful thoughts. All things shall work together for our good Mm -hmm. if we try to be good. Paraphrase. (laughs) Michelle Schmidt, it's been a delight to have you in studio to talk about your book, Carried. I highly recommend it. Thank you. Thank you. This is Latter-day Radio, World Class Talk, 1430 KLO. Stay tuned. This podcast has been produced by Latter-day Radio. Visit latterdayradio.com for more information.